right at your door. Buy local Wyoming roasted coffee at snowyelk.com. Nick, the motor guy, back here on Cargab, AM650, KGAB. Going to chat a little bit about Super Days, because Super Days is going on today. And in the um, dunk tank, which raises money for the Cheyenne Mayor's Council for People with Disabilities, there are going to be so-called celebrities. At least they're going to be people who are really, really... Uh, involved in the community um right now Rick, uh, rob johnson who runs my uh fast track store he is in the tank right now i hope he's getting extremely wet um 11 o'clock is joe shogren 11 30 is colonel benetti 12 o'clock is our own glenn woods so go down and soak him 12 30 is brian alf of course the house pub does so much for our community gregorzik uh one o'clock uh, it's a politician, Pete Laybourne. He needs to go in. All right, one thirty, Landon Medina. Two o'clock is Chad Brenneman. Two thirty is Sam Eliopoulos. Three o'clock. If you got time to come and abuse me, yep, three o'clock. Yours truly is Gibby in the dunk tank, and finishing up the day at three thirty with Ron Clement. So come down. Do a donation to the Mayor's Council for People with Disabilities. Great, great, great event. Great uh, charity raising money for it. Please come down. Soak these people. Have some fun. Have some laughs. You know I'm not going to be able to hold myself back. So uh, we'll have a lot of fun with this this afternoon. Hopefully I'll see you at 3 o'clock at the Dunk Tank at Super Days behind the uh, community building here in Cheyenne. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful, safe weekend. And we'll speak to you next week on Cargo. A major drug maker strikes a settlement over opioids. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. Johnson & Johnson has come to terms with the state of New York ahead of a trial scheduled to start on Tuesday. New York State Attorney General Letitia James announcing Saturday that drug maker Johnson & Johnson has agreed to halt the sale of opioids nationwide. The $230 million settlement follows years of lawsuits brought by states, counties, and cities against Big Pharma over the opioid epidemic that's claimed nearly half a million lives over the past few decades. While the lawsuits allege that companies overprescribed the pain meds, the drug makers say they've only distributed what was needed to help those with certain medical issues. Fox's Karen McHugh, trials against J&J and others are underway in California and West Virginia. To South Florida, where a fire burning under a collapsed condominium complex is complicating the search for survivors. It's extremely difficult to locate the source of the fire, uh, and so they've been working around the clock. 
Surfside Mayor Daniela Levine Cava. So far today, the numbers haven't changed. 159 people remain missing. Four are confirmed dead. The cause of Thursday's collapse is under investigation. A few years ago, an engineer flagged a couple of structural problems with the building but didn't warn about imminent danger. As a result, a nearby sister building is being examined. They are looking at, because it was built at the same time with the same designer, so they are looking at working with them, and I know they are considering potentially evacuating them. Governor Ron DeSantis. It's been a rough few months for the airline industry as it grapples with hundreds of reports of unruly passengers. The TSA says self-defense training will once again be offered to flight attendants and pilots. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. What are the most important issues facing Americans today? Every Monday, join me, Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor and Anchor and Executive Editor of Special Report, and my rotating all-star panel of experts as we discuss the policies, practices, and solutions to the biggest and most important issues of the day. You can hear new episodes every Monday. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Fox News Rundown is a weekday morning podcast that dives deep into the major and controversial stories of the day. Hosted by the anchors of Fox News Radio. Subscribe now to hear a perspective of news you won't find anywhere else. Listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The crash of a hot air balloon in New Mexico's largest city has left four people dead and another critically wounded. Police in Albuquerque believe the balloon hit a power line. This morning's crash has knocked down electricity to thousands. A close call in New Hampshire where a man is expected to recover after being accidentally shot in the head. Police in Milton say a bullet fired by the man's eight-year-old nephew ricocheted after killing a chipmunk and then struck him. Police also say it's not illegal for anyone to teach a child how to shoot and hunt. Royal Caribbean is hoping for smooth sailing as one of its cruise ships prepares to leave a U.S. port for the first time since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. The Celebrity Edge will depart today from Fort Lauderdale. The cruise industry has been shut down now for 469 straight days. It's been absolutely crippling to an industry that contributes some $32 billion to the U.S. economy. More than a quarter of a million jobs were also lost. But this is a time where things may start to turn around. This particular ship will leave for the Western Caribbean for seven days. It will be 99% full of passengers who have been vaccinated. For those who haven't, they have to undergo a series of tests 72 hours before they leave when they get here in the middle of the cruise and then after the cruise. Fox's Ashley Webster. The pandemic is still hurting some nonprofits. Habitat for Humanity usually builds homes to help the needy, but some branches of the charity are becoming needy themselves because the cost of lumber is skyrocketing. Jerry Leonard of the nonprofit's affiliate in New Albany, Indiana, says for one home last year, they spent about $2,500 on wood. This year, for the exact same home design, they had to spend $6,500. Fox's Jill Nato. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. 
Day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruard Motors. Simple, worry-free car buying. All roads lead to BobRuardMotors.com. For your Saturday and Sunday in southeastern Wyoming, it's going to be cloudy, cool, and somewhat rainy. Isolated to widely scattered showers and storms today with more steady rains possible on Sunday. Could even get heavy in spots. Weekend highs will be upper 60s and low 70s with lows in the upper 40s, low 50s. Widely scattered showers and storms Monday. Highs again, upper 60s, low 70s. Speaking with uh, Tom Laycock, Associate State Director for the American Association of Retired Persons. Good morning, Tom. Well, hello, Doug. Thanks for having me. Now, the topic this week is fraud. I'm going to bring up a fraud that I've been targeted with here recently because I know I'm not the only one. Somebody keeps calling my cell phone and claim, claiming they're from the, quote, processing center and that I owe back taxes. I don't owe back taxes, and I know that the IRS uh, doesn't call you, and when they do call you, if they did, they wouldn't call themselves the processing center. I will say, however, whoever's perpetrating this fraud sounds very convincing. Is this one you've heard of? This is. So this is otherwise known as the imposter scam. Um, so we see a lot of this, everything from IRS to tra- uh, Treasury agents and even local police. And, you know, I mean, one thing that we, we tell people again and again is these folks are, will not call you uh, with something like this. But this is, this is an oldie but a goodie. Um, and, in fact, the IRS is, uh, is, is kind of tired of it themselves. And so they're asking for anyone that gets this particular scam to call them and I'll give you the number that they'd like to, to have you call them. Okay. 800-366-4484. Or you can go to TIGTA.gov to report it because, frankly, they're sick of it, too. <laughs> so, now, Tom, one, so, inter- one interesting thing with this scam, I happened to post about it on my Facebook page, and one of my Facebook friends said, hey, they just called me, too. Is there some way they could have tracked our numbers to get on this list because we're Facebook friends or anything of that nature, or do we know? So we're not quite sure if, if that's the case. That, that's, that's certainly, a, I suppose, a possibility. But one thing that we've, we've talked uh, at length about with, with folks is the fact that in, in the past we've seen, um, we've seen a number of, you know, what, the, what folks will do is they will go to a legitimate um, call center mm-hmm. and uh, just have that call center start doing phone numbers and as soon as they get working phone numbers um, that's those are the, the ones that those working phone numbers are sold I'm sorry go ahead <laughs> as soon as as soon as they get working phone numbers then they sell those working phone numbers um, and, and they're you know they don't necessarily know who they're sending them to um, but it's certainly, you know, it's something that uh, the, they can send to, to folks who are trying to pull the scam. People who are, you know, uh, some legitimate people as well as those that might be a little bit less. But they do pick up a set number of dollars uh, per working phone number that they get. And so I get, I'll get a number of the calls where people call and it's a, from a number that you may know or may not know. And they call that spoofing where they right. use someone else's phone number um, that, to make it look more legitimate. And uh, I'll get the call, and, and when you pick up, you hear nothing on the other side. And mm-hmm. the one thing that we've actually done in the past, we had someone at AARP put together a, a news story on this for us, and it's actually worked pretty well for me to knock down the number of scam calls that I get. But pick up and don't say anything. Right. 
So pick a, you know, and, and you'll get the beep beep at the end because what happens in a lot of cases, if it goes to voicemail, that comes up as a working number. Uh-huh. And so that will be, you know, tracked off to somebody else. Um, you know, that'll be tracked off to somebody else as they're selling those numbers. So just pick up. If it's somebody who's legitimate, they'll say hello. Um, but, you know, in a lot of cases, these tend to be sort of voice-activated robo-dials. And I think you bring up an important point that I'm not sure everybody's aware of, although I think most folks are at this point, and that is just because it says it's a Cheyenne number or a Wyoming number, that doesn't mean it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the beauty of the spoof is a long time ago, uh, scammers figured out that folks are more likely to pick up if they feel like it's a Wyoming number, a Cheyenne number, someone that they know. In fact, uh, a couple months ago, I got spoofed for my own number. I've, I've heard of people doing or hearing that, yes. Yeah, um, and, and, I, and, and I'm a jerk. Apparently, I'm, <laughs> apparently I'm scamming myself. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, the next step uh, with those phone calls. One time in the not-too-distant past, it was a Cheyenne number. I picked up the number, and I thought, well, it could be legit. So I called the guy back. He goes, I don't know. Somebody's using my number. So, I mean, they can use an active phone As you said, they can use an active phone number. I don't know how this all works, but uh, it's, it's a new facet to this that's something, uh, that something people do need to be aware of. Well, and, you know, you had mentioned um, the, the imposter scam, the IRS processing center calling you mm-hmm. uh, or you know I, I get a lot of them for student loans that I haven't had for 20 years mm-hmm. uh, and I think the one thing we ask people is if you really if you think it could be legitimate hang up find a legitimate phone number for them in the phone book or online and call that number uh-huh. so if it's legitimate they'll get you to the right person absolutely so never be af- never be afraid to, to hang up and, and call a legitimate number that you can confirm is in fact you know in this case the IRS Now, in the past, and these scams were not quite as well executed, but I've gotten what sounded like a recording from, again, from the IRS. And just to clarify, they don't call you by phone. They mail you stuff, but not everybody knows that. I got a recorded uh, recording that sounded fairly, fairly serious and fairly believable. Now, when I, just to, just to mess around with them, I called the number. It was some foreigners. I could barely understand what they were saying. That was not one of the more well executed scams, but this latest one, I've got to give the, the, the gal credit who, who uh, left him, and she left a message on my phone, did it a couple times, and she sounded really believable. She was obviously a native English speaker. She sounded friendly, professional, so it, uh, it, it, it takes some awareness on your part, and, and you know, you've got to be very careful with this because you can get fooled if you're not careful. Absolutely correct, especially, you know, scammers have, they've, they're, it's a much more... Uh, in-depth process than just calling someone and hoping to get their money. Uh-huh. I mean, there's there's really a hope that uh, they try to appeal to your emotional side. And one thing we tell folks is if someone's demanding action quickly, um, that's that's a concern. That's a sign. If someone's saying, I need a credit card now, um, you know, take a step back because they're trying to get you emotional. They're trying to get you out of your out of that place where the frontal lobe is working and, and you know, really working through the logic of whether or not this is legitimate and, and getting you to a place that's that's very emotional. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the biggest one that, that we see over the last couple of years is that Social Security imposter scam. I've gotten that call, too. And I, I haven't even collected Social Security, but they, I, they either don't know that or don't care. I think it's the second. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, in 2020, the Social Security Office of the Inspector General 
received over 700,000 reports of Social Security imposter scam, and 70% of the calls to the AARP Fraud Watch Network helpline related to Social Security imposters. So this is extremely common then. Very, and you know, unfortunately it's common because it's worked. Right. They wouldn't keep um, doing so these things if it didn't work, unfortunately. That's right. So just remember, and it's a numbers game. I mean, they don't they don't care if you call and, and yell at them and, and whatnot. For them, it's a matter of getting you off the phone if you're not going to take the bait and moving on to the next person. Hey, I want to jump back to something you said a moment ago because I should have asked about it and I neglected to do so. Why, uh, why should you answer your phone and just not say anything as opposed to letting it go to voicemail? Is there a reason for that? You know, maybe it may come up as a deadline. Oh, okay. And at that point, that becomes a number that they're not going to sell to anyone from um, telemarketers to, you know, on purpose or otherwise to an imposter. Uh huh. Now, I've heard of a. Go ahead. I was going to say sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, You know, I've I've picked up and said nothing, and then all of a sudden the UPS truck has driven by, and my dogs have let folks know that that is a working line. Well, speaking of the UPS, that brings up another scam. Apparently, I'm a scam for a scam target for these folks. I'll tell you what, because I've gotten one, and this one is a text message. It's not a phone message. I've gotten a text message claiming that my package from UPS was uh, was either on the way or here, and you need to click on this link. Well, of course, I hadn't ordered anything, uh, but this is a pretty common scam too, from what I've heard. We're seeing a lot of that right now, um, and then usually they give you a link to to take you somewhere else and and it looks very good because it's not that tough to actually uh, go through and, and re-put together a website. In fact, we're one of the big scams that we're seeing right now has to do with rental property scams. And, and what, uh, what the scammers are doing is they're stealing photos of real properties off the internet mm-hmm. and then advertising these rentals at, at a rock bottom price. And so you start talking via email, you find this terrific deal on a rental home um, you know, down in down south, where you know, uh, you know, you can get away for a little while, and uh, you know, the, the big piece that we we tell folks to avoid right there and then is the fact renters are asking, uh, they're being asked for payment right away, right. almost always through a gift card, and that's a dead giveaway right there. That's right. So if if anyone's asking you to pay for anything through a gift card, stop what you're doing, hang up. Well, and surprisingly, I've heard of scams supposedly involving law enforcement where you owe a fine and they're going to issue a warrant for your arrest if you don't send them a gift card right away. Now, common sense, in my opinion, would dictate that, you know, the Laramie County Sheriff's Office is not going to take payment on a gift card. But again, it apparently <laughs> it must work. They keep doing it. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, so we did, AARP did, a, uh, a, did some polling in the last year. And, um, you know, the question being, if, if someone directs you to pay a debt or obligation with a gift card, is it a scam? And, and it seems like, you know, I, you know, off the top of your head, you'd say yes. But actually, one in four people sur- surveyed by AARP got the question wrong. That is surprising. And uh, we've seen a huge influx in gift cards being used as payments uh, by criminals, according to the FTC, since 2018. That's a big one. Uh, that we're seeing gift cards, they're super easy to find, uh, and they're virtually untraceable. And so as soon as you share that card number with the scammer, the money is gone. 
Now, another scam or another, I guess, mode of payment that these scammers will use, according to what I've been told by people in law enforcement, is go get a green dot debit card to Walmart and pay me with that. What's what's the what's the advantage to for them to do that? Once again, it's, it's that same piece of it. It's it's the card numbers are real easy. It's you know these gift cards are put together so that you could share money quickly and easily. Right. And. Um, you know, in some ways, unfortunately, they kind of uh, they've made life a little bit easier for scammers as well. Now, first and foremost, if it's a gift card, it's a scam. Hang up. What are some other big red flags? Uh, you know, one, one thing we're seeing right now is uh, a scam where, where emails um, or phone calls will uh, impersonate a big box real retailer mm-hmm. and claim that you're owned a re- owed a refund and you have a phone number that you need to call or you need to click a link to get processed. What ends up happening in a lot of cases is um, you get to a scammer who will say, you know, hey, this is really great news. You know, I, I need to uh, remote access your device and, and get you paid. Right. So they'll convince you to sign into your bank account so they can show you the deposit on site. Um, and then they will actually take you to a fake page, which um, where they say, oh, shoot. You know what? I was supposed to give you $100. I gave you $10,000. So I need to get that money back. Right. And, uh, and and they'll do the thing, oh, my gosh, my boss is going to fire me if he finds out. So let's just keep this quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll, they'll take back the money. But the thing is, they never put the money in in the first place. They just were able to get thousands of dollars out of your, uh, out of your um, bank account. So, you know, once again, um, if, if they're asking you to purchase a gift card, it's it's a scam, um, or, or know that uh, you know that big box realtors don't retailers don't work this way, and if uh, someone asks you to, to buy something to pay off an obligation, it's probably a scam. Now something similar to that sort of uh, hey you just won the Irish sweepstakes you've won two million dollars but we need some money for processing fees, that's a scam right? Yeah absolutely yep um, we're seeing you know we've we've seen that for for quite some time. Um, you know, but, you know, something else to kind of consider is just the fact that uh, there are some ways that, that you can keep yourself safe from all this. And, okay. And, you know, uh, a couple of things that, that we have told people in the past is, you know, three steps to keep yourself uh, protected from identity fraud. The, fir- fraud. the first is place a security freeze on your credit accounts with the three big agencies so no one can open a new line of credit in your name. Okay. Um, my, fam- my family's done this. It doesn't take very long. You do have to make sure you keep your, your username and password for it safe somewhere. But we have had, um, after we did that, we've had letters of um, people denying us new credit cards, people denying us Sprint phones. Um, we've, we've had a number of things where that credit freeze really saved us from people who, you know, through these data breaches can get your information, your personal information. And really with, you know, name, address, uh, social security number or driver's license number in a lot of cases that's about all someone really needs to open up a new line of credit so we tell people place a freeze on your credit the second thing is establish online access to all your financial accounts so your bank your credit card the people that you pay the most and and check them from time to time make sure that they're there the third thing is we say use unique passwords for every online account you know consider purchasing a, a password manager that can create complex passwords because what we've found in a lot of cases is, you know, let's say that there's a, a big box store that has a data breach. Uh-huh. Um, they have all of a sudden usernames and passwords. And so 
what what scammers have kind of figured out is is people use the same password and the same username at a lot of other accounts. So if they get if they get my information through uh, you know through a big box realtor in town, then they'll start going to the more popular banks and credit unions in that in that community. So they'll they'll go to Blue and they'll try you know my username and my password that they pulled out of the big box. And if that doesn't work, they'll go to Wells Fargo and they'll try my username and my password that they got from the big box. So just go down one by one and f- until they could figure out where you're banking and, and how to remove that money. So that's why it becomes really important um, to use the complex password and, and a unique password for each of your each of your accounts. Tom, I, I think you've probably heard of this, perhaps not, but recently the Wyoming Department of Health announced that something like 160,000 people um, accidentally had some of their personal information uploaded to a website. Now, it wasn't bank account numbers. Um, I think it was just names and addresses. Do those people need to be concerned? Um, I think if you are concerned, calling the Wyoming Department of Health is, is the way to go. I know that they did put out some information last week. On um, you know, there have been a few people that had been um, attempted to be scammed out of out of that particular data breach. But uh, unfortunately, I don't have a, a ton of detail on that. And the Department of Health has offered up a. Uh, their phone number um, to help folks who have gotten into that place. Now, one thing I will remind people uh, at, at this point is is that you know the AARP has a fraud watch network. Okay. That's av- that's available. That's aarp.org and then backslash fraud watch network. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the thing one of the services that they have there is they have trained volunteers who, if you feel like you have been scammed, you can call them and they will take you through next steps. They will talk about okay, you think this happened, here's probably where you should go. In a lot of cases, unfortunately, they have to tell you, okay, the money's probably gone. But let's talk about how to keep you safe moving forward. The other thing that they tell us um, more often than not is uh, everyone, you know, looks at, at these, these scam alerts that we do and, and says, you know, what on earth, you know, how could someone, you know, get not see through that? But the fact of the matter is some folks don't. And because they feel taken advantage of or embarrassed. They just don't take any of any other steps past that. Um, but we'd encourage folks by all means, you know, if that happens to you, talk to somebody, reach out to local police, reach out to the Federal Trade Commission, which does a lot on scams, or call the, uh, the AARP Fraud Watch Network. And so the Fraud Watch Network, it's free to everyone. You don't have to be an AARP member. You don't have to be 50 and over. If you sign up, they're not selling you anything. All they're doing is they're sending you watchdog alerts scams that are happening in your area there's a fraud watch map that once again tells you kind of what scams are going on in your area and then they'll send you emails just with sort of tips and tricks for avoiding the scammers and fraudsters well and as far as being embarrassed i would refer back to uh the scam i i, I spoke about a few minutes ago this lady was good i mean some of these people are professionals and they uh, they make their living this way, and, and we're not talking about amateurs in some cases. They can make themselves sound very convincing. Absolutely. You know, we almost, um, I was uh, on Facebook and saw an ad for a, a cheap Patagonia coat. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, shoot, I'd pay that. And I got on their website, and I got all the way, almost all the way through the process. I mean, I was, I was typing in numbers, the credit card, you know, ready to go. And then I thought, well, you know, that description didn't have a lot of, wording to it mm-hmm. awfully vague yeah and then did you start looking around look at the the you know the address that you've dialed into you know typed in patagonia.com to find out that the code actually costs about 300 dollars instead of you know 60 
And I said, oh, okay, you guys were close. You almost got me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the little things, the little things in that regard, you know, because it is so easy to copy an image anymore from the internet and then rebuild, you know, a, a pretty simple website. So, you know, we just tell people to be as careful as they can. Tom, are people safe dealing on eBay? Can you get ripped off on eBay? You know what? I don't. Uh, that's that's out of my. That that's certainly out of our realm of expertise. Okay. I'll probably defer on that one a little bit. I did have a friend a couple of years ago who told me, and I got this secondhand, but claimed that he he paid for a truck in Arizona on eBay and the scammers ran off with it. But I I don't know anything more about that either, so I'll just leave that where it is. Oh boy. Uh, go ahead. You know, Doug. One thing that has been a little bit topical lately is um, we're find we're seeing that uh, con artists are, are um, trying to take advantage of Americans who have received their COVID vaccines mm-hmm. by sending out fake surveys about the experience. So the emails and texts look legitimate. Um, they even have logos of the vaccine manufacturers. But what they're trying to get to is your sensitive personal information. So they'll send you these surveys. And, and there's a couple ways to know that they're scams. First of all, if they offer a prize for participating. Mm-hmm. Um, second, the message says you need to reply right away. And remember, we keep talking about that when someone's trying to push you into a decision before you're ready. That's a red flag. Don't do so it. Once again, they want you to, to reply right away. And third, if you don't engage with the survey, you're asked. If you do engage with the survey, you're asked to provide a credit card or other payment information. And so, those are kind of your three red flags. If it's a prize, if they're telling you you need to do something right away, and if they're looking for personal payment information or a credit card. And so, once again, those three. Red flags are really, they happen across, you know, a variety of of different scams. I I would mention a couple others that I've picked up from my interviews with law enforcement over the years. One is, you're probably not going to win a contest you didn't enter. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Which, I mean, that sounds simple, but I've, I've known of people who fell for it. The other one is... If they tell you you won a prize, but you need to, to fork out some money to win the prize, that's also generally a scam. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I think you absolutely you nailed it there. Tom, I got another one a while back, and again, I, I, I got on somebody's list. Unfortunately, I haven't actually given anybody any money, but apparently somebody put me on their list. I got a, a text scam claiming that I owed a $6,000 medical bill and I had to pay right now. Well, I knew I didn't have a $6,000 medical bill. But again, that's another scam I've been hit with. Apparently, somebody's falling for it or they wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once again, as you talked about, you know, as you talked about that, you got to pay that bill once again right now. So people are trying to move you into that emotional space and out of a place where you can kind of take the time and do it right. So um, good job to you on that one. <laughs> uh, you know, one other scam that we've seen locally as well as nationally, and, and this happened, I'm a, you know, we, we go to St. Mark's Episcopalian Church, and, and we had received an email a few months ago on this one, too. Um, but there's a, a scam going around where criminals are impersonating clergy. Oh, really? Now, that's one I hadn't heard. Boy, that's, and talk about messing with fire there. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the crooks post the email address. Of a, of a faith leader, a pastor, a reverend, what have you, uh-huh. sends a message to the congregant requesting a favor so that they're saying they're too busy and they're out of town. Could you purchase a dozen gift cards? And, and the, these are real clergy people. They're using real names, I take it. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and if you do that, they'll, they will make sure to, uh, you know, go ahead and, and reimburse you further down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and now this also has been happening um, from... 
from scammers who have been able to spoof the email addresses of bosses. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen employees receive the same email from supposedly their boss. And so, once again, the things that, that we sort of encourage people to do is ask if you've ever been asked to do a favor like this before. Ask yourself, would this person really ask me to do this? And then contact the person yourself and just get validation that they are who they say they are. And in, in other words, if you know, if my boss, Sam, sends me this email and says, hey, go buy a bunch of gift cards, would you? Just double check. Call Sam directly. Don't use the spoofed email. Just, hey, you know, I, I got this email. It seems a little bit out of the realm for what we usually do. Just wanted to make sure this is what you wanted me to do. Do that. Save yourself some money. Save yourself some, some time and, and perhaps some embarrassment as well. Tom, we're down to about a minute left. Is there anything you want to mention that we haven't covered so far? You know, I, I think um, I think we've covered quite a bit of what's going on around uh, Cheyenne and in, in Wyoming lately. You know, I just make another plug for the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Once again, you don't have to be 15 over to use it. You don't have to be a member. It's a free service, and and it's you know we got trained counselors that if you think you've been scammed, can walk you through next steps. Um, not to mention just uh, you know some basic information on how to keep yourself safe. So. Uh, thank you for the time, Doug. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. And welcome back once again to Weekend in Wyoming. I'm Doug Randall. On this segment, I have Cody Tucker with 7220sports.com. Cody, welcome aboard. You're newly affiliated with us in Town Square Media of Cheyenne. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all, Doug. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, really happy to be here. Really excited. It, uh, you know, I started this thing in, in June of 2019, and uh, obviously we've been in some very uncertain times, and and uh, getting on with Town Square just adds stability and longevity to something that I created, and it feels really good to know that, that it's going to be around for a long, long time. I think there's a lot of interest in UW sports big market for what you're doing yeah absolutely uh that you know when i was in michigan as a as a sports reporter people thought i was crazy when i came up with this idea because you know their thought is wyoming only has half a million people but they didn't understand well, the forecast Cowboys, is brought to whether you that's by a little Bob, bit or a lot. Simple, so that's a whole state and no other state can say that. Well, we don't have Wyoming and Wyoming State. For your Saturday and Sunday, Sunday in southeastern Wyoming, it's going to be cloudy, cool, and somewhat uh, rainy. Well, Isolated to widely scattered showers and storms today with more steady rain possible on Sunday. could even get heavy in spots. Absolutely. And people outside of Wyoming don't really understand it. You know, we're small but mighty, I guess is a good way to put it. You know, people have no idea what it takes to get to Laramie uh, on a day like today obviously mm -hmm. uh, you know what it takes for us to go 45 miles is uh, quite a feat so you're not going from Moreland or Sheridan you know most times to get to a basketball game it's just the reality where we live so people do care tremendously though absolutely now 7220 sports for those whom it doesn't ring a bell for the elevation of Laramie yep, the highest football stadium in Division 1 football and something we like to take advantage of by reminding people of that when they come from the lower elevations that's right now you mentioned the difficulty of getting, getting to Laramie. Home, How much is it a, a problem stores. to recruit athletes? Is, is, that, is that tough? I mean, I'd imagine it's not easy. Um, you know, it's the demographics are slanted a certain way. It's kind of, Laramie's kind of out there on its own. Uh, I know we take a lot of pride in it, and it's like, you know, Wyoming's hometown, but for a kid coming from inner city Chicago, maybe, or, or Dallas, uh, it's a little different. But, you know, I think these teams, though, they're their own little community, and they bond together, and they're buddies, and they're Hey, you know, this is Rosie Harvey, and, your local online and, you know, to be honest with you, Doug, there's not that many Division I opportunities out there. 
results. It is true. About it. Or maybe yes. you just need you know, a website. I covered sports in You're Houston, Texas, and all those kids thought they were going to Texas. They all thought they were going to Texas. There's only so many scholarships to go around. I think we've been really fortunate in Denver. Really picked up a lot of kids out of the Denver metro area that have really made a big difference in Wyoming. Craig Ball, since he's been here, has made a huge effort to keep the Wyoming kids in state. That need to be Which didn't used to be the case so much. No, and you can't win with a whole roster loaded with Wyoming kids. You just can't. And we know that. I mean, it'd be a cute story, but it just won't work. So it is nice to keep the ones that should be here. Division one caliber athletes. That's what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah, and also a great thing about Craig Bowles' walk-on programs. Phenomenal. He encourages walk-ons. I think 33 plus Or you can look me up online at townsquareinteractive.com forward slash Cheyenne. A lot of those are Wyoming kids. Of course, when a Josh Allen comes from Wyoming and does well, we've sent several notable players to the NBA. That does help with recruiting. Absolutely. Right now, it's so unbelievable still to this day. Remember back in the day, you turn on NFL Sunday and be like, oh, there's a Wyoming guy. You know, it's amazing. Holy cow, I get to watch a Wyoming guy. Mm -hmm. Now there's 16 of them. Mm -hmm. It's harder not to find a Wyoming guy on TV, (laughs) which is just gives us all a sense of pride, of course. And, you know, I'm I'm a Wyoming guy first and foremost, so it does give you pride. And especially when you live outside of Wyoming, you can go, yeah, you see that guy? Yeah, yeah. I know where he went to school. He, he's well, from my a state. good chance people might even know him. A lot of folks know Josh Allen. Oh, Josh, for sure. But, yeah, a lot of even the, the other guys, you know. Chase Rullier just got paid by Washington. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Epps had some nice plays in Philly. And there's just one guy after another. And it's so great to see. Tell us about yourself. You're originally from Michigan? Cheyenne. I'm from Wyoming. Oh, okay. Tell us yep. a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm from Cheyenne. Uh, graduated from Central High School and uh, went to LCCC. Uh, got my uh, journalism mass media degree at LCCC and then started this crazy ride. My first journalism job was in Warland, Wyoming, and uh, still went to every Wyoming game, by the way, which was a 10-hour round trip on oh, yeah. Saturday. People do that here, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was brutal. It was brutal. Uh, but, yeah, uh, and then ended up in Douglas. Uh, spent a couple years there and then uh, went to a newspaper in Houston, covered uh, Jalen Hurts, the current All Eagles right. quarterback, when he was in high school down there. And Is he a good guy? Or? A great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Alabama was on him like right out of junior high. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the way it is anymore with the big time recruiting. Oh, man. Especially down there. Oh, uh, yeah. it, that's, I actually took a pay cut to go from Douglas to Houston. But Are you serious? Isn't that crazy? That seems impossible. Yeah. About an $8,000 pay cut. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. But. I thought, you know, when are you going to get experience like this? Mm-hmm. I covered probably 50 Division One football players. Looks great on a resume. It does. And it was great experience because people do care. <laughs> they care tremendously about high school football. Not that Douglas doesn't because they really do in their right. own way too. But, but high school football Texas. in the South is almost a religion. Yeah. Friday Night Lights yeah. is a big deal. Absolutely. And the stadium was almost as big as War Memorial Stadium, the main <laughs> one I covered. And you'd be in the press box and they feed, they're feeding you like Chick-fil-A and there's big screens that show the replay and you're like what is this so how did you end up back in wyoming then? well um i can't ended up coming back to douglas after houston uh because my boss was sick and he, he begged me so i went back to douglas and then did a little radio for a while I actually moved to florida for 10 whole days till uh, our radio host got us fired and uh <laughs> back to wyoming we come but i uh i got a job covering michigan state university athletics for the lansing state journal and mm-hmm. uh lived in michigan for two years and my wife is from there so it was kind of weird. We met in Wyoming, so it was kind of weird for her to move back, but it was a huge opportunity to cover the Spartans, and you know, I covered Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio for two years. And Did you cover great... Kirk Cousins? Or... I met him, met Kirk Cousins, yeah. But he wasn't there when you were No, there. he got inducted into the Ring of Fame, though, at Spartan Stadium when I, I was see. there. So, 
great, great athlete. Well, he's done very well for himself. Yeah, he was. Who knew he was such a great football player? Well, fifth round draft choice. He's <laughs> yeah. uh, he's made his money, made his mark right now in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. So, so how's Michigan State? How's covering that different than covering the University of Wyoming? Oh, just there's a billion and a half reporters that cover oh, Michigan State, and then uh, after Michigan State, I actually moved on and covered the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, and uh, a million people cover the Pittsburgh Penguins mm-hmm. too. So that's kind of the difference here. You get way more. Um, you get to know the players better you have better way better access and very i can believe that that, man it's so good to be able to sit with a player and not just talk about x's and o's but talk about them as a person Mm -hmm. and then you get to relay that onto the fans and then the fans feel like they get to know them so it's been great in that regard and and, you know to be honest with you doug i didn't miss a wyoming game for 28 years oh really and this was always my dream job so i've always been fighting to get back and people think i'm nuts that you know michigan state's way bigger than wyoming the pittsburgh Penguins are way bigger than Wyoming, but that's not in Wyoming. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is my dream. It's it's absolutely my dream job to to say that I cover the Wyoming Cowboys. That means the world to me. So you started this website. You said in 2019. How did yep. that all come about? Um, <laughs> you know, I'd be sitting in the press boxes at Spartan Stadium and at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, and I'd be looking at these other guys who independently covered those teams, and I'd go, "These guys aren't very bright." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not very bright, and, and their interviews are not good, and I've read their stuff, and yeah. but somehow they're making it. Right. I can do this. Uh-huh. So, and you know, of course, uh, it makes me sad, but newspapers are definitely what newspapers are now. and, and Serious uh, decline. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because that's my first love, but um, I knew I better get on the wave of technology, which I'm not a techno, I'm not into technology whatsoever, but I thought I better get on this wave, or, you know, I could be possibly left behind. Well, in the days of waiting for the morning paper to come out to check the scores, those are over with. It's not that way anymore. Yeah, and my competitors over in Laramie at the Wyoming Tribune Eagle and the Casper Star, um, you know, they're pinched so hard. And now there's, what, Mondays and Tuesdays, they don't even print. So if you think about it, if a game ends in Laramie on a Saturday night at like 11 o'clock. Which is not unusual. uh, Not unusual. That that is not coming out in the paper till Wednesday morning. Right. So, and I know they post stuff online, but... You know, there's a lot of people who still want to hold that newspaper, and I'm with them, but it's, you know, the grip is definitely loosening. So when it comes to, to covering UW sports, how do you approach that? What do, what do you emphasize? Um, you know, my background is in features and storytelling mm-hmm. and getting to know people and the real in-depth stuff. Um, so, you know, I do the day-to-day beat stuff, of course, you know, right. what's going on. But, you know, we launched the site June 1st, 2019, and I knew right away my first story was going to be about Finnis Dembo. And we went down to San Antonio and spent the day with Finnis, of course, a Wyoming great, won a championship with the bad boys of the Detroit Pistons in the 90s. Um, I knew I wanted him, and it wasn't just a, oh, Finnis Dembo. It was, I knew that Finnis had had, you know, a rough life after basketball. Right. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about that for those who don't know. Yeah, so Finnis on Easter morning, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the year, but on Easter morning he had a home invasion and oh, uh, no. a guy was busting in his house and he had his whole family in the house including his uh, elderly mother and his nieces and nephews and unfortunately Finnis uh, had to shoot 
the the gentleman and uh, he shot and killed him and um, it's something that affects Finnis so badly to this day uh, he couldn't leave his house um, but it's a no-win situation the other right. end of that you're Sean Taylor and you're dead sure sure uh, you know and I, I tried to talk to Finnis a lot about that I said you know nobody would blame you and he says you know that that doesn't help that doesn't help me you know he doesn't own a gun anymore he has no desire he you know he told me over and over i took a man's life i took i took somebody's husband you know right. and it, it is a horrible situation and finnis is just lights up a room and he's such a great human being and he still is but man uh, what a what a struggle to go from winning a ring with the pistons to having to do something so unfortunate like that in the childhood home he grew up in where he still lives we did oh, the wow. interview about wow. five feet away from that front door where that gentleman broke in. it speaks well of him as a human being that he does have that moral quandary oh over. absolutely yeah he's not you know it's easy to be a gun toting and say hey bro yeah i'd do it but it's another thing when you actually have to do it right talk to anybody who's been in combat and i'll sure. tell you about that sure sure so you, you you sound like you get more into the personalities and the uh that that the personal aspect of sports would that be an accurate summary yeah absolutely uh the biggest story in my career and i don't know if this name rings a bell for you doug but uh i did a story on charles rogers who was a former former number former two number one draft choice yeah. The Lions, he was yep. a bust. Yes, and nobody had seen him in a decade. And uh, I found him. I found him in Fort Myers, Florida, working at a chop shop. And uh, my boss said, "If you find him, I don't care if he's on the moon. I will fly you there the next day." They flew me to Fort Myers, Florida, and I spent four days with Charles Rogers. And it was the biggest story I've ever done in my life. <laughs> this is for me because I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, you know, Charles had a really public fall from grace, as you know. I mean, right away you say bust. That's what a lot of people think of when they think of Chuck. But he uh, he just was going down a really dangerous path. Drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. Happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, and he had eight children with four different women. And, you know, once he fell out of the NFL, he you know, all of the – you know, I don't know about you, Doug, but back then when he got drafted, he's from Saginaw. He went to Michigan State. Then he gets Detroit. drafted by the Lions. And I go, wow, that's cool. High-profile number one pick. Yeah, and I thought, man. And that's really cool. He's got to feel on top of the world. And I was just a kid back then. Right. Uh, but it wasn't now. It wasn't a good thing. Um, the leeches are still too close to you. And well, that's what and happens when you're rich. A couple of things about that from my perspective. For one thing, the Lions had a string of number one busts. Joey yes. Harrington, yep. Charles Rogers. We could go on down the list. Yep. Secondly, that's just a dysfunctional organization. It is. It is. And when you come from a dysfunctional family in the first place and, and your buddies are your family and they care about your money more than they care about you. Uh, I found a dejected, sad, about 30 pounds underweight, which he, underweight? Which he was always slim. Right. Um, he didn't look like an NFL superstar to me when I found him. Uh, How sad. In, in, uh, and unfortunately, he just passed away about six, seven months ago. And uh, I'm sorry. To, I did not know that. And I'm yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah. It, it was just a, it was four days of, I, I didn't even know how big this story was going to be. And it was gigantic. It was all over the place. I believe it had three million page views in the first day and it was all over the country it. and people cared and people loved him and they wanted him to come back to Michigan. And unfortunately, he just never could face you know his friends and family again so he kind of hid in florida and and just a uh, really sad deal i feel for his kids and his family and and uh just the fans they loved him they never stopped loving him just because he made mistakes well i'm being a number one pick who and i use the word bust that's a little unkind but being a number one pick who doesn't make it we could look at ryan leaf he's had problems jamarcus russell well another guy did a story on any slancing was tony mandrich it's tony mandrich yeah, he was number two overall yeah I, I'm old enough to remember that. Yeah. I remember when he... When incredible bust. Yeah. And they called him the incredible shrinking man and all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
He was a tremendous player in college, and, and he, people, well, yeah, he was, he was shooting the juice. We all know yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunate because they were saying, you know, is this guy, is, is he the best player out this year or yeah. not? And there was some serious dispute about that. We know now the answer was no. Well, and think about that draft. Oh, yeah. Barry Sanders. <laughs> uh, what, Steve Atwater. Um, Troy Aikman went number one to the Cowboys. Uh, how do you compete with that? Well, and when Tony got drafted by Green Bay, he said, I'm not going there. That place is a village. That's not even a town. <laughs> he didn't even want to go there, and he went on Letterman, and oh, he yeah. was so arrogant and cocky. That, that's not new. I read a book by Jim Brown where he talked about in his days in the NFL, if a coach was mad at you, they'd say, we're going to send you to Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Buffalo. <laughs> like being sent to the gulag. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it, it is... Um, there's a lot of human element to these stories. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's tough. Um, these aren't, you know, I think it's easy as fans to forget sometimes these aren't cutout figures. These are human beings we're talking about. Um, human beings with feelings. Yep. And and fans and writers can be very cruel sometimes. Absolutely. Unthinkingly. With, yeah, and with a guy like Charles Rogers, I think most people would say bust first and foremost, but then other people say, how could you blow $30 million? And a lot of it was because he kept getting pop smoking weed. And people go, why? How in the hell can you, Why? You know, and it's a legit question. Ricky Williams. Yeah, but we don't, we're not in their shoes and, you know, we just don't know. And with Charles, I did obviously extensive research on that story and he didn't have a a great foundation. We'll Well, put it that way. And I would assume there was some substance abuse issues there because if if you can't stop smoking weed for 30 million, you have a problem. And then two, two collarbones, two broken collarbones in a row, then that's when the painkillers came in. Well, uh, that's a slippery slope as we all know. But the, but the, the, the weed kept popping him hot, which was getting him suspended which was making the fans turn on him because it was like dude well, just like the receiver and I'm, I'm drawing a blank that just got cut by the seahawks josh gordon josh gordon yeah and you know as a fan it's like how can you be so dumb oh, no. Oh, no. The, i mean the dude's got talent yeah but it's substance abuse is a di- it, it, I, I believe it is a disease yeah no, oh, I saw it with Charles for four straight days. And like any other disease, it may not follow a course that's rational and well thought out. <laughs> yeah. Very sad in yeah. a lot of cases. And just imagine throwing, you know, $30 million on top of that disease and, and not having a good family structure. And, and having everybody know about yeah, it. everybody And probably it. remind you of it. Oh, yeah. Every day. Getting back to the UW sports, Craig Ball is an interesting case. He came in from North Dakota State. Yep. Of course, it was Carson Wentz's college coach. Um, he said when he came here that his um, his main goal was to instill toughness in the Cowboy football program. I think we see that reflected on the field, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And you have to be tough to run in his scheme because run is the key word in his scheme. Right. And uh, he's all about running the ball and playing good, tough defense, and he's done that. And, uh, man, the championships haven't been there yet. Um, I honestly feel like that's going to change very soon. I do as well. Yeah, but it, it, he has put so many kids in the NFL. Uh, a kid like Logan Wilson, who is a Wyoming tough to the to From the nth degree, yeah, yeah, absolutely, a Wyoming kid who came in as a defensive back and is now roaming the middle of the defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. I mean, just uh, he he personifies Wyoming football mm-hmm. toughness, nose to the grindstone, hand in the dirt. Uh, you know, I'm I'm here to play ball, right? And that's what he did. What they like to call a blue collar lunch oh, attitude, absolutely, as opposed to the superstar. Yeah, and you don't see that a lot on Craig Bowles' team. Those no, guys you really are don't. Dan- dancing, and you, you don't you don't see it. You well, know. it doesn't fit Wyoming either. No, no. <laughs> I think Rocket Ishmael's son was probably the most flam. 
flamboyant, if you want to put it that way. Right. And, and he picked up a couple of personal fouls, and uh, Craig Bull's face turned very red. What happened with him anyway? Um, he's just back in Dallas. Last I talked to him, he's uh, he was hoping to latch on maybe with Canadian Football League, but uh, nothing yet. So great kid. I, I hope the best for him too. And that's the beauty, honestly, Doug, about these guys. And I'm not just saying it to blow smoke because I would tell you if these kids sucked, mm-hmm. they're great human beings. Mm-hmm. They're all just so so good, you know. And and you didn't covering professional sports like I did. Uh, you didn't always see that. Uh, no, there's a lot of people in professional sports who are not exactly role models. Right. But on the flip side, too, when when you're covering the Penguins, you can hammer those guys. They make millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. So yeah, if they yeah. slip up, you're in trouble with Absolutely. the media. Absolutely. But, but college kids, you just can't and you shouldn't do it. Right. And uh, But these kids are just, man, they're the, you know, Craig Bull only recruits a certain kid. And, and he means it. It's not lip service or coach speak. These kids are legit human beings. How do you think the new basketball coach is going to do men's coach? Love him. I love him. Uh, You know, all he did was come in and pull the number one recruiting class in the Mountain West. Wyoming's been nothing short of a dumpster fire for the last three years. He pulls the number one recruiting class over Zoom calls. Oh, wow. Yeah, when you think about it, different challenges this year. Yeah, he got his first day when he signed on the dotted line was St. Patrick's Day. And we all know that's about the time the world went to hell in a handbasket. Right. right. All he did was go recruit the players that were on that squad anyway, face to face. Mm -hmm. The Hunter Maldonado, Hunter Thompson, you know, um, Kenny Foster, Quan Marble, the guys you wanted from last year's team to come back. Mm -hmm. He went and got those guys back and then just went on a whirlwind tour of pulling off guys, including a guy named Marcus Williams who's playing point guard right now he's the fourth leading true freshman scorer in the nation uh really good and these guys don't lose a year of eligibility so this year is really a learning experience there's been some you know rough moments but they've already won more games than they won last year Uh, and the the trajectory is incredible jeff linder is a very good coach very good man uh it's been a real breath of fresh air and alan edwards was a great human being too don't get me wrong but that was the not program working. went south. Though. It wasn't working uh, yeah. on the court. The product was just not there. Oh, a- after a, a time, we had some success with the Cowboy basketball program, yeah. and fans. I wouldn't say they were spoiled, but they certainly had higher expectations. Yeah, and it kind of all went south for a couple of years. Oh my God, did it ever? It, it just uh, and the fans showed it. I mean, it was like a morgue in there. And the, and I know I kind of pissed Alan Edwards off last year because I said, you know, if you know Laramie where the double A is, there's a there's a cemetery across the road, and I wrote that there was more action going on in the cemetery. <laughs> than there was in this building and he, he kind of thought that was a low blow but it, and it maybe it was but man it was kind of the reality of the situation it got well and even just here in Cheyenne just talking with people talking with fans I mean the attitude got real bleak you probably couldn't even give away tickets I'd imagine uh, it was no, brutal it, it, was di- it was difficult yeah. and, and that's something we do here and, and there were times where nobody really wanted them yeah well, there, I'm a huge fan of sports period but there was times even when I was just a Wyoming fan that I didn't want to go over there either how about, I, the, how about the women's team what do you see happening there this year oh they're just always you know I don't cover them as hard of course but I pay attention to them a little bit they're just they're steady Eddie yeah. you know they're always steady Eddie they play good basketball, good fundamental basketball. They, they had some good years there in the early years yeah. of the century, though. Yeah, Joe Ligurski was a real breath of fresh Rock air. Rock Springs guy. I, yep. I, when I was in Rock Springs, I used to work with his brother, Bob, who was the high school basketball coach. I was doing radio sense. out there. Yeah. Uh, Bob was a great guy. I used to call him up on the road at 3.30 in the morning. Dude always talked to me. I always appreciated <laughs> it. Well, in smaller towns, you build these relationships with people. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and in Wyoming in general. Oh, yeah. Douglas feels like a second hometown to me. <laughs> I, I love that place. I always will. It always is a special place place i do but cheyenne's home and and cheyenne's I've been, nice i've been fighting for a decade to get home and so it feels so good to be here and and my wife's a probation officer so 
it's not as easy for her to find a job and it's not easy for you know as you know it's not easy for media people to find jobs all the time too especially ones they want and in desired locations right uh so it, it, the stars kind of aligned and we both finally ended up in cheyenne and it feels so good to be around family and friends again and and to be home i mean i fought really hard to get back to cheyenne for years so feels great i love my hometown i love this place and if all goes according to plan i'm never going anywhere again I'll just go on vacations. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of touched on this, but I think it's something worth uh, worth hitting again. COVID, COVID nineteen. How's that affected yeah. college sports? How's it different? Uh, how is it not? How's it is not? A better yeah. question, honestly. Um, you know, it it was kind of embarrassing. I actually kind of broke down a little bit when they canceled the the season, the football season. Initially, I was doing a podcast, and uh, the, the tears started coming. It was you were uh, the only one I know. Yeah, it was. You know, it was one of those, it was so embarrassing for me. I'm a big, tough, hairy, you know, tattooed guy, and uh, it was sad. It was sad, and it wasn't. And it wasn't wasn't just because of seventy two twenty sports. It was how can Wyoming football not play? During well, the fall? and then when they did play, the games get canceled. Yeah. There a couple. It was, it was a tough. Way. It was a. It was a tough season. Yeah, and tough in a different way than most of our players or coaches have ever experienced. Yeah, and I do want to say I, I think this gets brushed under the rug too much. These guys, these players, these coaches, the support staff, they got their brains jammed three times a week you know covid testing so that they could get out there and play a season and mm-hmm. you know that uh, i feel like i'd be forever in debt to them for for doing that because it would have been very easy to fold up shop and say forget it let's let's focus on next year and they did that they worked their butt off and as you know a college kid not going to bars and not going to parties like they sacrificed a lot right. to do this for us so uh, it meant a lot but it, it's been bizarre um i'm not i'm not able unfortunately to get a lot of those personal stories this year and i think fans understand you know we 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 have zoom calls now and it's it's not quite the same no and and from what i hear from buddies when they're on the road with the team and stuff like that they they sit in their hotel you know i said man you're lucky you get to go to san diego this week to sit in a hotel well look at the nba with their bubble last year yeah yeah it's not fun i mean they're not having fun and it's all about work and that's what i love about jeff linder though he worries about his players mental health Mm -hmm. they've been here since like june and, mm-hmm. and they haven't been able to leave campus, and they have to quarantine, and they can only be around certain people. And they, you know, around Christmas break, he said, "I'm sending my guys home, and I don't care if they come back with COVID. I don't care at this at point. Some point. They you need live to life. go home. Yep. Yeah, they need to see their family. They can't even go up and hug their family after games and stuff. So, it's just a, it's bizarre. And I hope it's, I hope, I hope the light at the end of the tunnel is getting a little brighter." Cody, we're just about out of time. Any last thoughts on UW Sports, your website, or life in general, or whatever you'd like yeah, to toss out there? I just hope fans check it out. Uh, we've been around for a while, and we've kind of we've gained a name, but now we're on a bigger platform, obviously, and I really hope people check it out. Uh, I think the future of Wyoming football, especially, is extremely bright in the more near future, but I think basketball is extremely bright as well. Uh, but football, uh, you know, spring ball is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taking all of April. They're going to have a spring game in May. Do we think we're going to have a normal season this fall have you heard anything it's probably too far out yeah we just don't know but i'm I, I mean i'm really hoping by september 4th when the montana state bobcats come to War memorial stadium things are normal and we can have a packed house and and i really hope that's the case because there's nothing quite like a fall saturday in the in laramie memorial stadium so cody real quickly for those just joining us where can people find your website again oh well, you can hit us up on 7220sports.com uh we have a free app free newsletter please download it and uh we'll bring the news man we've we've been rocking and some news out so uh anything cowboy related you're going to find it there on 7220sports.com thanks cody thank you doug
You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station. Hi, uh, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, it had this phone number on it, and, well, uh, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. Yeah, hi. I think I found your kid's stuffed animal near the swing set. Um, just wanted to call. I'm sure she misses it. I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, uh, and I'd be happy to drop it off. The toy was a little muddy, so I cleaned it up, and um, it's good to go whenever you're around. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? We'd do anything for kids. Yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger and give all of our kids the meals they need to grow. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Ah, the census is a special time when we count every single person in the country. Do kids and babies count too? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals, and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail. It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make your family count. Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
fire is hampering rescue efforts at the site of a Florida building collapse. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Officials say that deep fire is slowing search and rescue efforts at the site of where an oceanfront condo collapsed Thursday near Miami. Fox's Steve Harrigan reports. They're making it harder for rescuers because of the smoke. Also, they always have to weigh what they do by putting water on that fire. They are increasing the weight, which could cause more rubble to fall, putting at risk any survivors. So it's a real tough balancing act for those first responders. Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava says a review will be done on other buildings to avoid any future tragedies. At the county level, I am directing that our Department of Regulatory and, Res and Economic Resources will immediately commence an audit of all of the buildings at the 40-year point and beyond. So we want to make sure that every building has completed their recertification process. Four people are confirmed dead from Thursday's collapse and 159 unaccounted for. Four people were dead after a hot air balloon they were riding in hit power lines in Albuquerque, New Mexico. One other person was critically injured. Vice President Harris continues to face harsh criticism for her handling of the border crisis despite visiting El Paso, Texas on Friday. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Vice President Harris went to the wrong place in Texas and it took her 93 days to get there. She should have gone to the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, she should have gone over into Arizona where the Sinaloa cartel is passing all of those drugs across the border, all that fentanyl. The administration says it's trying to address the root causes of migration. Harris traveled to Guatemala and Mexico earlier this month. America is listening to Fox News. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. There is always someone doing something stupid somewhere. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Join me, Jason Chaffetz, every Wednesday as I shed light on the news and make some predictions along the way. You never know who will drop in. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio and the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Downloaded now. President Biden and the president of Afghanistan have met at the White House. Meeting in the Oval Office, President Biden urged Afghan President Ashraf Ghani to pursue peace in his war-torn country, even if most U.S. troops won't be on the ground to help past September. Our troops may be leaving, but support for Afghanistan is not ending. Ghani's trip to Washington comes amid what many see as a deepening crisis in his country. The Taliban has regained control of several districts. Defense officials telling Fox News the U.S. even launched two new drone strikes on Taliban militants hours before Ghani's White House visit. Fox's Mark Meredith, the U.S. reportedly plans to keep about 600 troops in Afghanistan. Federal authorities investigating after men tried to enter the crew compartment of a plane at Los Angeles International Airport. Chelsea Edwards with Fox affiliate KTTV reports. The suspect allegedly tried to get into the cockpit before opening that plane door and then jumping right onto the tarmac. This was a SkyWest Flight 5365. Now, 
Now, we're told that suspect tried to multiple times to open the cockpit door before, quote, exiting the plane. LAX police said in a statement that the male who exited the aircraft was treated for injuries and transported to the hospital. No one on board the aircraft was injured, and the aircraft was able to taxi back to the gate area. The plane was preparing for a flight to Salt Lake City. The governor of North Carolina has decided not to approve a controversial abortion bill. Governor Roy Cooper deciding against signing a bill that would ban women in North Carolina from getting an abortion specifically due to prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome and a fetus. The proposal also sought to ban abortions on the basis of race or sex. The state's Democratic governor cited privacy concerns as a big reason for not signing off. Republicans argue that gender, race, and disability are protected classes and should be applied to the unborn as well. John Saucier, Fox News. And I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruard Motors. Simple, worry-free car buying. All roads lead to BobRuardMotors.com. For your Saturday and Sunday in southeastern Wyoming, it's going to be cloudy, cool, and somewhat rainy. Isolated to widely scattered showers and storms today with more steady rains possible on Sunday. Could even get heavy in spots. Weekend highs will be upper 60s and low 70s with lows in the upper 40s, low 50s. Widely scattered showers and storms Monday. Highs again, upper 60s, low 70s. East Cheyenne's number Number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the uh, weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Dr. Thomas Peter Martin of the University of Wyoming. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you well, thanks. Okay, now, Dr. Martin, uh, get, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. Okay, well, um, I grew up in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And um, from there, I got my undergraduate degree in material science and engineering from um, University of Washington in uh, Seattle. And after that, I went and uh, got a PhD in um, material science and engineering from the University of Florida, um, which is a top 10 uh, ranked engineering school. Um, so my background isn't specifically in nuclear physics, but it is in um, materials and materials design and things like that, which um, obviously are critical uh, going into a reactor, uh, no pun intended. Um, you know, most reactor accidents happen um, due to materials failures. And so, um, you know, after that, I, uh, I came back and I uh, was looking for a job. Uh, my background was in the semiconductor industry mainly, um, but I noticed that the University of Wyoming needed something to run their transmission electron microscope and uh, had a lot of experience with that. So I took that job and um, I really enjoyed it out here in Wyoming. Um, I love the uh, climate, I love the um, kind of culture and the people. Um, it's only a 12 hour well nine-hour drive from uh, home, and, uh, um, you know, I actually enjoy teaching a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I teach class several times a year on the electron microscope, but uh, I'm just finishing up one uh, next week, so um, let's have a little bit of background on myself. Now, Dr. Martin, the reason I invited you on the show was that uh, you sent us a letter saying you have grave concerns, uh, and that's the word you, fra uh, you the uh, phrase you used, grave concerns about the proposed Wyoming nuclear reactor. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. Um, 
And um, the primary concern I have is, um, well, there's, there's two concerns I have. Um, one is that um, because this is um, being sponsored um, you know, in, uh, by the private sector, um, I want to um, make sure that the design is thoroughly vetted by somebody who has no ties to um, the people sponsoring it or their money. Um, so basically a third party needs to review the design in detail. Um, I looked very closely online uh, for everything I could find about this reactor and it was all quite um, it was all quite vague. It gave a few details that I was able to glean, but none of the um, you know more intricate design details that I might be able to say, you know, this is a safe design or this is a not safe design. So I think there needs to be an independent audit of it um, before it's approved. That's one thing that concerns me. The second thing that concerns me is that this is a liquid sodium cooled reactor. So most um, well, so, uh, a little bit of background is that um, basically every nuclear reactor has what's known as a primary coolant loop and a secondary coolant loop. And so the primary loop is what runs through the reactor core and absorbs the heat from the um, fission and the decay product and they're generated in the core. And that superheated fluid then goes through a heat exchanger where the heat is transferred to its secondary loop uh, where steam is produced and that then drives a turbine and generates electricity. Now, in their primary loop, um, most um, commercial reactors uh, use water, um, which has several advantages and several downsides. Um, but this particular reactor is using sodium, uh, which also has several advantages and downsides. Um, the biggest downside is that, well, there's two downsides. One is that sodium is a very strong neutron absorber. It becomes highly radioactive when it passes through, say, the core of a nuclear reactor where there's neutrons present. Um, and the second, of course, is that um, sodium is a very reactive metal. I'm sure many people have seen demonstrations where a piece of solid sodium is um, thrown in water and it burns very violently. Um, and so, of course, liquid sodium that's been superheated, if it's exposed to air, it will also burn violently. Um, so any leak in their primary coolant system will create an intensely radioactive fire. So that's a big concern then by itself. Yes. So they have to be very careful in how they design their primary coolant loop to ensure that there's absolutely uh, no possibility of leaks. And they're going to have to have some kind of inspection schedule to make sure um, that the materials they build their primary coolant loop um, piping out of uh, don't degrade over time because neutrons um, do tend to degrade most uh, metal alloys over time. Um, Dr. Martin, if sodium is such a concern, why not just use water for this reactor? Uh, well, so um, what they're building is something called a fast reactor. 
So um, water is typically used in um, what are known as uh, moderated reactors. So um, when a neutron comes from an atom after it's been fissioned, it has a lot of kinetic energy. And um, when you have water in the reactor core, that acts to uh, thermalize it, essentially. So through scattering events off the water, um, the neutron loses energy. And when it's at a lower energy, it actually has a higher probability of um, colliding with a fissile atom and visioning it. Um, so they want to use a fast reactor. So sodium will not moderate um, the neutron in the same manner that water will. So it'll absorb some of them, but the one that doesn't absorb will pass right through it and maintain their kinetic energy. And this allows them to um, burn up heavier isotopes of plutonium, let's say, than um, a moderated reactor. So isotopes like plutonium, uh, 240, 242, uh, things like that that are usually nuclear waste can be used as fuel. And because it has better neutron economy, it actually produces more fuel than it consumes, so it's considered a breeder reactor. Um, one downside of this design is because there's a lower probability of a fission event happening per neutron, they need to use more highly enriched fuel. So a normal reactor um, might only need to be enriched to say 5%. This might need to be enriched to say 20 or even 30%. Okay, and obviously I'm just a layman and I don't pretend to be otherwise, so I'll ask what may be a stupid question. If that's the case, does that mean a, an accident here could be five times as uh, violent as an accident with a water-cooled reactor? Um, well, it depends on the mechanism of uh, the accident. So, okay. Um, in Fukushima, for example, several things went wrong. Um, so they did shut down um, the fission process. Um, but a nuclear reactor generates about 20% of its power um, from the decay heat of the um, fission byproducts. So when an atom fissions, it um, splits into two atoms, and those two atoms are generally um, radioactive themselves. And those decay, and as they decay, they release heat, and that contributes to the heat generated by the reactor. And so in Fukushima, what happened is they weren't able to keep the, cool, the core cool. And so the heat from the decay byproduct built up until it melted down. And then um, because they were using water in their reactor, um, the zirconium uh, piping, once it heated up enough, um, zirconium will react with water. And when it does, um, that'll release hydrogen gas, which I exploded. Um, so that's what happened there. In this case, um, Bill Gates, in, or at least uh, the, uh, the company TerraPower, uh, claims that they have, uh, quote-unquote, a passive cooling system where um, in the event of a shutdown, Instead of having to run water through the core, that just natural convection of air 
will allow it to dissipate the decay heat. Um, now that's a claim they've made. I haven't seen anything in literature validating um, that uh, their design can actually do that. Um, but that begs another question, which is um, how well contained is this if it relies upon convection? Um, so um, that's another potential concern is if it's open to the air essentially and you have air circulating through it and then you have say a sodium leak um, that would make it much easier for that radioactive sodium to escape. Okay, I'm speaking with Dr. Thomas Peter Martin from the University of Wyoming. We're discussing uh, the proposed uh, nuclear reactor that uh, was announced recently. And by the way, at 1133, I'm going to replay an interview that Glenn Woods did this week uh, with the governor about that reactor. Um, by the way, we are taking calls. If anybody has any questions or comments, 632-3323. So, Dr. Martin, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, you have some concerns about some claims with the safety mechanism that you consider questionable. Would that be an accurate summary? Yes. So, um, I think, um, well, first of all, um, the easiest way to test their claims would be, um, you know, to set up um, resistive heating elements that don't have any nuclear material. Mm-hmm. Um, to a worst case scenario type temperature and see if the convective uh, mechanism works. Um, I haven't seen any evidence that that test has been performed. Um, Another uh, concern with that particular um, safety feature is that if it's using um, the natural convection of air, um, basically as the air is heated, the warm air will rise and draw in cool air, um, then it has to essentially be open to atmosphere uh, instead of being in a containment vessel. And so if it is, then um, if the sodium uh, primary coolant loop were to develop a leak, it would, um, as I said earlier, uh, burn violently. Uh, The sodium would, of course, be intensely radioactive. from exposure to neutrons in the core. And because sodium is um, so common in um, pretty much all life forms, it would be uptaken very readily if it made it in the atmosphere and pushed the data out. So this sounds, and again, I'm a layman and I'm not trying to sensationalize this, but if I'm understanding you correctly, this sounds like a potentially very dangerous situation. Is that accurate? Yes, potentially if the proper safeguards aren't taken. Um, sodium cool reactors have been used in the past. Um, I've looked at the history of sodium reactors. Um, several have been shut down due to um, minor accidents and sodium fires that were contained. Um, the question is, um, would this reactor be able to contain a sodium fire if one were to happen? Um, and The other question, I guess, would be, um, you know, uh, what materials are they using in their piping? And a final concern is that, um, so one benefit of a liquid dental cooled reactor is you can get away with using um, lower pressures because um, water, of course, boils at a relatively low temperature and sodium doesn't boil and hold very high temperature. 
um, so you can heat it much higher and um, get better thermal efficiency. Um, the problem being that um, if the reactor is shut down for any reason, then that liquid metal coolant will solidify. And once it does that, it's almost impossible to restart the reactor. So a little bit of history in this regard, um, the Soviets um, and their Alpha-class submarines used a lead bismuth eutectic cooled nuclear reactor, um, basically again a liquid metal cool reactor, and it gave great performance at a very um, small size, which is what they're aiming for. The problem is that whenever there was an uh, accident in the reactor, that called for shutting it down, then the coolant would solidify and the reactor was basically um, permanently disabled. They had to replace the entire unit. And so this puts a great deal of pressure on the reactor operators to potentially overlook um, encroaching safety concerns in the interest of keeping the reactor critical so that it doesn't um, essentially have to be rebuilt. Um, so I want to make sure that you know proper protocols are in place and enforced um, so that an operator doesn't um, push the boundaries of what would be considered acceptable in an effort to save the reactor. So you're, you're concerned about economic concerns overriding safety concerns in a nutshell? Yes. Now, Dr. Martin, uh, this, of course, is all on the drawing board. It hasn't been constructed yet. They don't even know for sure where they're going to build it. Could they make changes in the, um, in the plans for this to make it safer that would address your concerns? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, um, I haven't even seen the plans for the reactor because they're um, proprietary, I believe, at this point. Um, I think to address my concerns, um, the primary thing that would need to be done is to have an outside consulting firm um, that has a um, uh, good reputation um, examine this. Um, they could do it under a non-disclosure agreement if um, Terra Power is concerned about their design leaking. Um, but we basically need somebody who has no financial incentives to approve this or um, reject this design to take a look at it and um, point out potential safety flaws and then address those before building begins. Okay, what's, what sort of regulatory processes or, or agencies are in place to deal with, with a reactor like this? I, I don't know, would that be the, the uh, Federal Energy uh, the Regulatory Commission or who would it be? So, um, I know the Department of Energy has experimented with miniaturized nuclear reactors in the past. Um, they build a lot of our submarine reactors, um, which are also miniaturized, obviously, because they have to go into a submarine. Mm -hmm. um, so, they might be a good candidate. There's also the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Um, but, um, given the amount of influence that people like... Um, and Buffett and whatnot have um, kind of at those levels, um, 
I would say potentially that you might want to have um, scientists from both um, Nuclear Regulatory Commission or the Department of Energy and an outside commercial firm um, examine this. And the other thing that I would want to see happen is to um, look very carefully at the deal and make sure that um, the company building it is responsible for any accidents um, that might happen. I know that a lot of times um, energy producers are able to negotiate deals with the government where um, they become essentially um, immune from any uh, lawsuits or um, you know other how would I phrase the other consequences of um, safety features failing and so as long as they're on the hook for any um, potential release of radioisotopes or things like that then I think it'll be in their best interest to make it as safe as possible um, and I also think that having outside eyes who have no vested interest one way or the other very closely examine the design and potentially test some of these claims on their own uh, would be a good um, you know a good safeguard it's sort of like um, if you had a car company that um, was trying to sell you a car and they claimed that they had performed these um, and they say this is the safest car, you know, that's ever been built, and it'll survive an accident. Non, non, non. You wouldn't want to buy that car unless those claims have been reviewed by um, the National Transportation Board, for instance, right? Um, you wouldn't just take the company's word for it. You want um, a third party to look in and verify that yes, these claims are true, or know they're exaggerating their claims. So um, at this point, I can't say whether it's one or the other. I just don't have enough information. Um, but what I can say is there's sort of, um, uh, what would the word be? Um, it's sort of like um, designing a fireplace, right? Um, it's a very good thing to have in your home. It will heat your house. It will um, do it at a good price. Um, but if it's poorly designed, um, you can die of carbon monoxide poisoning, or it could start a fire, or it could cause other problems. So it has to be done properly. And so um, there's building codes for where fireplaces are built and how they're built. And all I'm saying is that we need something similar for this, because it's basically a giant fireplace that's generating power. Um, the only difference is that in this case, if there's an accident, it could potentially affect a large region of the state because even though the half-life of the radioactive sodium is only 15 hours, um, depending on the amount released, it could take many half-lives for it to decay away to the point where it was safe. And with the wind's the way they are in Wyoming, it's right by a distance. Dr. Martin, it looks like we have a caller. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Yeah, yes, sir. I got it. 
I got a question. If it's so dangerous, why are we even building in the state of Wyoming? Well, um, that is um, another thing that came to mind is that um, if uh, Gates and company are so convinced that their uh, design is safe, then why aren't they building it in a state like California that already... Bingo! Right on! <laughs> right on, dude! Excellent point! You have a great day, sir. Bye-bye! So, so you think Wyoming maybe is is being chosen because we we don't have experience regulating these type of projects, and they might think that they can get it through more easily. Is that sort of what you're saying? Well, I think Wyoming might be being chosen simply because it's um, aside from Alaska, the most sparsely populated uh, state in the country, mm-hmm. and so. If there were to be an accident, the number of people exposed would be smaller than if they built it somewhere else. And so their liability would then potentially be lower. Um, that thought has crossed my mind. Um, I'm not sure if their reasoning or their official reasoning for building it out here. I mean, obviously, if we can land this deal and, you know, get this outside income into the state during the state uh, budget crisis, um, and that would be a wonderful thing to the state. Um, but we have to make sure it's done safely and that we're not just being used as essentially a lab rat. Dr. Martin, we're down to just a couple minutes left here. In, in summary, if I'm hearing you correctly, and correct me if I'm not, it sounds like you're not opposed to the concept, but you want some safety uh, safeguards in place and some, uh, some close looks taken by regulators who don't have a bias. Would that be accurate? Yes, absolutely. Um, for example, um, the, uh, the sodium, uh, when it gets hit with neutrons, um, it will decay uh, with a half-life of 15 hours into magnesium. Uh, magnesium is not soluble. That is one of the concerns that I've raised is, um, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that they're building it in such a sparsely populated area to start with. Um, it makes me think that they might have safety concerns of their own, and um, by building it in a very sparsely populated area, um, relatively speaking, uh, you know, compared to the rest of the United States, that, um, you know, they're trying to avoid liability in the event of an accident, and, um, you know, that's not necessarily the reason they're doing it. Um, I don't want to accuse anybody or anything um, without all its proof, um, but it is sort of a, um, it's not a red flag, it's a yellow flag. It's something we should be considering. Well, the forecast is so brought anyway, to you by Bob of so Ruart Motors. Simple, Thanks, worry-free car buy. So All Dr. roads lead to um, BobRuartMotors.com. For your Saturday and this, Sunday in southeastern Wyoming, if, if it's going to be cloudy, cool, and somewhat rainy. Isolated to widely scattered showers and storms today with more steady rains possible on Sunday. Could even get heavy in spots. Weekend highs will be upper 60s and low 70s with lows in the upper 40s, low 50s. Widely scattered showers and storms Monday. Highs again, upper 60s, low 70s. Peekaboo. Peekaboo. Smile. Come on, buddy. Come on. Smile. Honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah. Maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe. 
maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Or baby, I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one of the signs. Learn the others at autismspeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors, and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Um, to retrieve samples, they discovered it was so radioactive from the sodium just in seawater that had been splashed on it that they couldn't go aboard to retrieve their samples. And a lot of data was lost because anybody um, sent aboard those ships would have been killed by the, radio by the um, radioactivity. Mm -hmm. So sodium is a very, very good neutron absorber, and that's because there's only one isotope of sodium, uh, sodium-23. And so um, odd-numbered isotopes like that tend to be good neutron absorbers, and sodium especially is a very good neutron absorber. And um, in this case, instead of using seawater, which has you know a few grams per liter of sodium in it, they're using pure metallic sodium. And so... Um, you know, one way to make this design safer would be to use something like a molten salt. Um, there's molten salt reactors in operation, and the benefit that those have is because the metal is already oxidized, essentially, it's already um, not in a metallic state, it can't burn anymore. And so if there's a leak, then yes, the molten salt will leak out, but it won't undergo any further chemical reactions. Whereas the sodium, if it were to leak, um, would burn in air, um, producing um, sodium hydroxide, and um, that then would be lifted into the atmosphere by the heat, and um, it would form, uh, for example, uh, seeds and clouds if it got up that high, um, causing nucleation and precipitation, which would be extremely radioactive. Um, by the way, for people who do know a little bit more about nuclear physics, um, it's a beta emitter, uh, which means it emits a high-energy electron, and um, the half-life is 15 hours. So that doesn't mean it's only dangerous for 15 hours. It just means that um, 
the activity drops off by a factor of um, one half every 15 hours. So if you had a massive leak, um, then after 15 hours, you only have half as much activity, but that can still be very dangerous. And so after 30 hours, you still have 25% of the activity. Um, you know, after 45 hours, you still have, um, you know, an eighth of the activity, etc. And um, with the strong winds in Wyoming, um, if it did get into a cloud layer, it could spread for quite a distance if enough sodium leaked out and burned. Um, so I think that the material that they're making their piping out of needs to be closely examined, as well as the geometry. Um, anybody who's ever worked with plumbing will know that um, elbow joints tend to fail um, just underwater. Um, and of course, sodium is uh, much denser than water, and it's going to be a lot hotter. And the material that it's flowing through is going to be exposed to a neutron flux, which is going to weaken over time. And so I think they have to develop a comprehensive lifetime plan for when their primary coolant loop has to be replaced uh, to keep it safe. Real simple question. Would using molten salt make this project safe? Um, it would definitely make it much safer. Um, I mean, with nuclear power, there's always potential for something to go wrong. Um, but as far as I know, there has never been a major accident um, involving loss of human life or major contamination involving a molten fault reactor. And I think a molten fault reactor uh, would be much safer than a liquid metal reactor, um, just in my opinion. So, um, so why not use molten salt? Is there an argument against that? Is it more expensive? What, what would be the reason for that? Well, it is, um, I think um, the design would have to be a little bit larger. Um, the molten salt um, might uh, not be as neutron transparent as the sodium. I know he's trying to miniaturize this as much as possible. So um, I'm not as much an expert on molten salt reactors as I am on liquid metal reactors. Um, but I do know that um, India, for instance, which um, is suffering from uh, growing demand for power, is uh, using uh, molten salt reactors. And um, in fact, one of the benefits of a molten salt reactor is that um, extracting, um, is that the uh, fuel is actually in the molten salt. And so, um, as I said, the material in their um, fuel rods is going to have to be very highly enriched. So you have the potential for a leak in the fuel rods, and you also have the potential for a leak in the coolant loop. Whereas in a molten salt reactor, you only have one loop to worry about because the fuel is already in the molten salt and um, it doesn't have to be quite as highly enriched. And um, it's also much harder to extract from a proliferation standpoint um, than uh, something like what they're building. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Thomas Peter Martin of the University of... I haven't um, reviewed all four locations. Um, I would say that um, from a safety standpoint, 
um, building it in the more sparsely populated uh, regions uh, would be better from a safety standpoint. Um, but you would also have to look at um, weather uh, patterns, so um, what's likely to be um, downwind of it. Um, so I think you would have to bring in um, meteorologists to um, probably assess that. Now, in terms of nuclear waste, is that an issue with this reactor? Well, one of the um, interesting things about this reactor is, so nuclear uh, waste can um, broadly be broken down into uh, two categories. The first category are um, fission byproducts, um, most of which have a comparatively short half-life um, and are generally safe after about a century or so. So disposing of them long-term isn't as um, difficult. Now, um, the other category of nuclear waste are what's considered transuranic. So those are all of the elements um, heavier than uranium that are generated um, in a nuclear reactor. So things like plutonium, neptunium, americium, curium, things like that. And some of those have half-lives on the order of um, tens of thousands or even millions of years, depending on the isotopes. Uh, now, one advantage of this fast reactor design is that it's able to burn more of those up. Uh, fast neutron is able to fission isotopes that would normally be non-fissile in a moderated reactor. And so, in theory, this reactor could actually be used to burn up um, transuranic um, nuclear waste from other reactors around the country that produce a lot of it. Um, the challenge, of course, being is that you have to reprocess the fuel, which means separating the transuranics from the fission decay product, and um, that's quite an expensive process. Um, so whether or not they're actually going to go through with that, um, would be something you would have to ask them. Um, but certainly it has the potential to not only reduce long-term nuclear waste, but actually eliminate long-term nuclear waste from other sites. Uh, so that's one big advantage of this reactor that has me kind of excited about it, um, if it can be made safe. Um, so this reactor design um, certainly has its benefits, um, like I said, the main drawback is the need for liquid metal cooling um, that, um, you know, because liquid metal will not flow the neutrons the same way that water will. And, um, you know, the choice of sodium as liquid metal is a little bit confusing um, uh, because there's a lot of other metals, um, say potassium, for instance, that melts at um, a similar temperature and isn't as strong with a neutron absorber. Um, I mean, it's a little bit more chemically reactive, um, but not much more. Um, so um, I think um, when you're looking at this kind of reactor, um, they've typically been used on um, in military applications before. Um, so in things like submarines where um, performance and thoughts are 
considered paramount, and they, they're willing to push the safety boundaries a little bit because it's a military application. Um, but for a civilian application, um, I think it might be worthwhile to um, consider expanding the facility a little bit and using something like molten salt reactors, which um, can also burn up transuranics and can also um, generate more fuel than they burn. And um, so they have pretty much all the benefits of this liquid metal cooled reactor, um, except you've taken away the um, chemical reactivity of the coolant. So if there is a leak, there won't be a metal fire. Um, and of course, metal fires burn extremely hot and um, because they're so radioactive, I have no idea how they would intend to put one out. So that would be a question that the state regulators should certainly ask them is, if for some reason your safety features fail and there is a leak in your primary coolant loop that starts a fire, um, what safety features are pleasant to put out that fire um, before it grows into something that simply can't be contained. So again, again, it sounds like you believe this project can be made safe. You just have some concerns about how it's being proposed at the moment. Is that true? Yes. Um, I certainly believe that this um, can be made safe. Um, obviously, um, liquid sodium reactors were experimented with um, mostly in the 60s and 70s. Um, they did have um, some sodium fires, although they were relatively minor. Um, they tended to be military projects, um, and um, those were, of course, done in military test sites, which were well away from civilian centers, and they were contained. Um, however, technology, of course, has advanced a lot in the last half century. And so with modern computer controls and materials advances and things like that, I think it can be made safe. Um, my main concern is that the only people who I've been hearing any um, design features from are TerraPower themselves. Um, they write these articles and they get published in places like um, Forbes or in CNBC or other mainstream outlets touting all their safety features. Um, but I think that an independent audit essentially needs to be done on those safety features to prove that they function as designed and um, to prove that um, uh, or rather to establish um, a set of protocols um, should any of these designs fail because um, as they say, you know, the best way of plans of mice and men and all that um, even if you design the perfect system, uh, you can have an unexpected failure mode that you didn't anticipate and if that were to happen, you need to have um, something that will um, extinguish the fire and contain the sodium and so um, the only way to extinguish a sodium fire is essentially um, something like a halon fire extinguishing system, um, which basically just smothers it in um, 
a compound which will not react with sodium. And um, it's gaseous. Um, they use it in um, military applications that use these kind of reactors. And the problem being is that it only works in a contained system like the um, reactor compartment of a nuclear submarine. It wouldn't work if your uh, core was relying on convective cooling and um, the convection was being done by um, essentially outside air because then you would release the halon and it would just be convected out into the atmosphere and it wouldn't do its job. So I think that there's a couple of safety features that might be um, perhaps the word would be self-defeating if, um, you know, if push came to shove. So the convective idea to prevent a meltdown is a good one, but if there were to be a sodium leak instead of a meltdown, then suddenly it's working against you. And it sounds like a sodium leak is your bigger concern. Would that be accurate? Yes, it is. Um, so I think that... Um, Meltdowns can be prevented, obviously, by inserting the control rods. So, normally a nuclear reactor is, um, the reactivity is controlled um, by inserting and removing um, rods that absorb neutrons. And so, um, they insert them a certain distance to uh, maintain the right neutron flux to generate the desired amount of power. If they want more power, they can retract them. If they want to reduce power, they can insert them. Um, the problem is, um, as I said in Fukushima, is even if you, um, what's known as scram the reactor, which is to insert the rods all the way to shut down the fission process entirely, you still have fission byproducts mixed in with the fuel that will be continuing to generate about 20% of the reactor's peak power, and that heat has to be dissipated. And that was um, typically done through water coolant loops, the problem being, of course, that if power fails to the pumps, then it melts down like what happened in Fukushima. And so the idea of using a passive cooling system that uses convection is a good one, um, but we have to make sure that whatever fluid they're using for their convective system is contained so that if there is a sodium leak, it's all contained inside a sealed um, reactor unit and none of it can get out into the environment. Dr. Martin, we're down to about a minute left, and I do have another guest coming up at 12.05, so I'll have to uh, close this segment down. Any last thoughts for our audience here this morning? Um, I would say this. I would say don't be um, unduly scared of it. Um, I do believe, um, as a scientist, that just looking at it thermodynamically, uh, nuclear power is probably the future. I don't think wind and solar have the um, cut it from our national energy needs standpoint. So I do think nuclear has to be developed and explored. Um, I just think it has to be done safely because um, 
you know, new nuclear reactors were put on hold for many decades after Three Mile Island. And so if a similar incident were to happen here, it would set the entire movement back by decades. Um, and so this should be done, but it should be done safely. Dr. Martin, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to cut you off here. We are out of time, but I do appreciate your, your time this morning. It's been very informative. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you. We're all part of your community. We all play a role in keeping our community safe. So protect your every day. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Hi, I'm Ice-T. As a veteran, I know that for many former servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home. Every day, 184 veterans are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, and sadly, 20 take their own lives. When nothing else helps, professionally trained service dogs can. American Humane, serving the U.S. military for over 100 years, rescues animals in need of forever homes and trains them to become free, life-saving service dogs for our nation's veterans. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man! No, 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 no. sweatbands are so hot right now, everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within. Um. C. Look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have Ta-da! to. Ta-da! Twinsies. <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. 
Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? No, 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 sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection that we never Beauties within? Oh, look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have to Twinsies. I kind of love it. As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Dear Vet Kids, thank you for Great experience for your support to the military and veterans. Thank you so much, Betix. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert game or a special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran. Give your extra tickets to Betix. Give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to betix.org. Sensory sensitivity, repetitious behavior, lack of eye contact. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Heat watches, warnings up and down the entire coast. Dangerous to be outside during the heat of the day. You're listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station. AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne. A Town Square media station. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcast. This new show will feature deep dive interviews with newsmakers and some of your favorite Fox News analysts. I hope you'll join me. Subscribe to the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. President Biden has promised to, to create better U.S.-Cuba relations. Fox's Rich Edson has more. During the 2020 campaign, then-candidate Joe Biden said he would mostly restore the Obama approach. Some Democrats are pushing the administration to fulfill that promise, though the administration says its Cuba policy is still under review. Other Democrats are urging the administration to keep up the pressure. The Cuban government continued restricting liberties and maintaining support for the Maduro regime in Venezuela. This week week at the United Nations, the Biden administration defended the decades-old American embargo against Cuba, arguing those sanctions promote respect for human rights. Fox's Rich Edson reporting from the State Department. Microsoft has uncovered a breach in security. Fox's Tom Rigotti with that story. 
The tech giant revealing Friday an attacker won access to one of its customer service agents, then used that information to launch hacking attempts against customers. Among other things, they could see billing and contact information and what services the customers pay for. Microsoft issuing a warning to affected customers, saying the hacker belonged to a group they call Nobelium, adding a gained access during the second half of May. Tom Rigotti, Fox News. The first race of a NASCAR Cup Series doubleheader is just getting underway. Fox's Matt Napolitano reports. The Pocono doubleheader is back, starting with the Pocono Organics CBD 325. Kyle Larson will be on the pole for this afternoon's race in quest of his fourth straight points victory. Looking to become the first Cup Series driver to win four in a row since 2007. His teammate William Byron on the number five team's hot streak. They've been probably first on the average speed charts you know for most of the races they've won so they've had the fastest car and then their picker has been phenomenal byron will start to the outside of larson kevin harvick and joey logano on the road behind them matt napolitano fox news and i'm joe chiro fox news